undisclosed location deep in the smoky mountains of East Tennessee. Two hillbillies armed with nothing more than microphones, loud mouths, and quick wit have found their way onto the internet. Oh, my stars. Tune in weekly to discuss things like sports. We're here playing game six of the World Series, so we're going to fight. We're going to finish this thing. Politics. We did it once, and now we will do it again. And this time, we're going to finish the job. Current events. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Faith or any other topic that they have found interesting. It's drastically changed my life. Welcome to Think Like a Man with Daniel Overton and Jeremy Sellers. Welcome back to Think Like a Man. Today is Monday, November the 4th, 2019, and I am Jeremy Sellers. And with me again today, as always, is Daniel Overton. What's going on, man? Not much. Did you have a good weekend? Real good weekend. Real good weekend. Y'all had a lot going on at church, didn't you? Yeah, with Paul Festival this weekend. Went good. Did you have a big crowd? Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty steady throughout the whole day. It was a great day for it. Yeah. 50 degrees. Not a cloud in the sky. It was good. Yeah. Since the last time we were with you, uh, we've got a few things that have been put into place that I just want to go over real quick. Uh, first of all, the, the uh, Facebook page is up and running, and the name of that page is Think Like a Man, just like the, just like the podcast. Uh, it's, it's, everything's functioning. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first podcast is already on there uh, to, to listen to, uh, and everything seems to be working good with that. The Twitter page is also up and running. You can find us on Twitter under the handle of ThinkLAM19. Um, Daniel, I'm going to run the Facebook page. Daniel's going to run the uh, Twitter page. He's a whole lot more familiar with that uh, than I am. Because I'm younger. It, that's exactly why. Uh, I don't do a whole lot of twerping. So um, the last thing is uh, the Instagram page is also up and uh, and running. You can find us on Instagram at think lam 19 or i'm sorry it's think lam 2019 so the twitter page is think lam 19 instagram is think lam 2019 right now the first podcast has been uploaded to itunes and google play and we have been verified but we're waiting on some kind of approval at the moment it's just kind of hanging there in internet land not sure what that, all that's about, but hopefully within the next day or so, you'll be able to listen to the podcast through those avenues. And so we'll make we'll make announcements on the Facebook page and uh, the the Instagram page and Twitter and all that. And it's on SoundCloud. You can listen to it now on SoundCloud. Right, right. You can go to SoundCloud and listen to it now, and just search "Think Like a Man" and um, it will uh, it'll show up. Uh, within the next day or so, you're going to see, uh, it may take more than a day or so. We've got a guy that's working on a new logo for the, uh, right now, when you go to any of those pages, all you're going to see is kind of a microphone as the profile picture or something like that. We've got a guy that's, uh, doing a new logo for us and we should have that within the next couple of days and start to kind of look like, um, we, we look professional or at least look kind of look like we know what we're doing. Uh, as always, we would like to we'd ask you to hit the subscribe button when you get a chance. If you're listening to it on iTunes or Google or anything like that, uh, that way you don't miss any episodes that um, that we may uh, or that we will have coming out. You'll always be in the loop when the new episodes drop. Also, if you do like and enjoy what you hear, we ask that you please please share the podcast 
with around. We could never be exposed to the amount of people that we need to grow this thing without the help of you all listening, sharing this with the people that's within your circle of influence. Uh, and we would be forever grateful for that as we do try to grow this pro this podcast uh, onto bigger and better things. And we would ask for your help for uh, in that. Also, as we did uh, mentioned last week, anybody that's looking to advertise your awesome product, please reach out to us and we will be more than happy to speak to you about doing just that. All right, now moving on to the rest of the show. We have a first today. Actually, uh, in the last week, we've had a lot of firsts, but this one's a pretty big one. Uh, we, act, we have our first guest. I met this guy about a year ago, uh, actually through Facebook. Uh, we were both members of the same gaming page. And if I think if memory serves me correctly, I put a post up asking a question on the page and he responded to uh, the post or the question. And at that point, we became lifelong cyber or a lifelong cyber friendship was born. And uh, I really like this guy from the beginning. He has a great sense of humor. He's a smart man in the uh, reformed um, in the reformed doctrines of Christianity and the foundational aspects of our faith. And basically, just an all around uh, just an all around good guy. So his name is Andrew Levesque. I believe I'm saying, I'm, I'm uh, pronouncing that correctly. He, he told me how to pronounce it earlier and uh, I'm glad he did. Cause I would have added about nine syllables to it. Uh, he is from Brockville, Ontario, Canada. Can you believe it, dude? Our second episode and we're international. We're international. We're going big. <laughs> uh, he is a pastor of a small church plant in the downtown core. We're going to have to talk to him. I'm not real sure what the downtown core means but uh he'll he'll fill us in on that he works full-time in our neck of the woods we call that bivocational i'm not sure if the uh canadians still refer to it or they refer to it by a different name or um or not he's expecting his first child in january and it's going to be a girl i have a little of experience with girls so i can help him out as um as she gets older there's no doubt uh, one of the interesting parts of his, uh, testimony is he is reformed now, but he grew up and is an ordained minister or, uh, or is an ordained Pentecostal pastor. Mm. So as we do this, um, if we get to know Andrew and do this podcast, you're going to, you, you're hopefully, you're going to see a big difference between the reformed theology and doctrine and the Pentecostal side. I mean, it's, it's night and day. So, uh, with no further ado, Andrew, welcome to the podcast, my good man. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. I'm th I'm just grateful that you found time in your uh, your I'm, what, what I'm sure is becoming a very hectic uh, schedule as you all get closer and closer to the uh, birth of your daughter. Have you picked out a name yet? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, her name's going to be Aubrey. Aubrey. Aubrey Levesque. Did I pronounce your last name correct? You're close. The S is silent. Okay, so say it for me. Levesque. 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 Or if you're a, a good, uh, if you're a good Frenchman here in Canada, it's Levesque. Levesque. But, uh, Le, but uh, Levesque is uh, just fine. Levesque. Okay. All right. Well, I. Uh, 
dude, I, if you'd have bet me money on how to pronounce that after I saw it was I'm out, I, I'm going to lose that bet. <laughs> like I said, I, w- I wanted to add about nine syllables to that thing that uh, apparently are not there. So uh, I think, I, Andrew, as I looked at your the stuff that you sent me, the, what kind of jumped out of the page, and I've already kind of hit on it, is the, is your background within the Pentecostal denomination and coming out of that and going into the Reformed um tell me a little bit about that and i'm i'm going i'm assuming a little bit here that possibly your it's a family tradition um that m- maybe grandma and grandpa were raised in it or were part of it too mom and dad that kind of thing how about fill in some blanks for us here on how you got to where you are now yeah for sure so i'll, uh, I'll kind of condense it but uh born and raised fifth generation pentecostal uh, so you're right, there are a lot of family ties, a lot of background in it. Um, my great-great-grandmother was part of the Ted Revivals in Ontario when it started coming up into Canada. No kidding. And uh, she was one of the first charter members of uh, the local assembly here in Brockville, Canada. Wow. Um, yeah, so I was I was raised um, within, and my father was only, uh, he came into the church as a teenager with his family, so... Uh, not as much lineage on that side, but uh, on my mother's side, yeah, there's a lot of, it was very deep and very ingrained. Um, I grew up, it was the only church I knew. It uh, it was what was right. It was taught to us that it was the the only way to heaven, that it was the only true church, and other uh, Christians had partial faith or half-truths, and that it was our job not only to reach the unchurched and the unbeliever, but reach those that believed but were not uh completely saved. Um, and of course we, we can, we can unpack that later. Um, the most interesting, interesting thing to note was, um, I wasn't just Pentecostal, like assemblies of God or or church of Christ Pentecostals. Um, it was actually a oneness modalist fundamentalist Pentecostal. So So, uh, a lot of other things with any, You've mentioned Assemblies of God, and, and were, were you, and I think of Church of God, and were you part of any of those, or was it its own little thing? Uh, it was part of the largest oneness Pentecostal denomination in the world called the United Pentecostal Church. Okay. Okay. So, so they have missionaries in almost every nation in the world, churches in almost every nation. Um, it, uh, I guess I guess it it most recent numbers it uh, makes reference to to about nine million uh, congruent church attendees. Wow! So uh, is that worldwide? Yeah, it was one of the fastest growing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, is it still? Is it still got a pretty big following in Canada, or you, you see any? Big yeah, uh, quite a big following in Canada. Yeah. Really? Okay, so you were you were brought into it as a child, I guess. Was your was your since the most of the influence came out of your mother's side? Was your father did he was he active in the church or was he kind of hit and miss or how did he fit into this? Yeah, my my father is a faithful believer in Christ, uh, a faithful tender. He didn't always hold to all the same uh, legalistic viewpoints right. that they did, but he went he abided by them because there was no reason to have a point of contention to the drop trouble within the congregation he just believed what he believed at home issues but he had the right to disagree with one another right um 
a very smart man, studious, always into the word of God, um, always praying, always seeking for the wisdom from God through his word. Um, as far as hyper charismaticism may go, um, you know, we have the, uh, we have the title given to us, the nickname, Holy Rollers, mm-hmm. Chandelier Swingers. <laughs> right. Um, as far as, as far as that goes, he, he didn't really buy into any of that special revelation prophecies, stuff like that. He, he'd seen more charlatans than actual no truthful shepherds. Right. And so, um, he knew God could do only what God could do and God can do the miraculous, but uh, he can find it more to God's doing and not man's doing as others would put the focus more upon the man centric gospel rather than a Christ centric gospel. Right. So I have, a, <clears throat> I have a quick question for you. Um, I just put all this together in my head. So I had to look it up on Wikipedia. I watched a few videos a while back called um, from Rodney Howard Brown. You know who that is? Um, I don't, I don't okay. recognize the name. Um, he was tied in with the, uh, Catch the Fire Toronto back in like, the, you know, 2009, 2010, the Toronto bus. And oh, yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Is that pretty prevalent there still, or was it as big as it looked like it had gotten <sighs> on YouTube? I know it. I know yeah. It, so the, the truck. Well, I knew, I knew it influenced the Lakeland Todd Bentley stuff. Right. Down here, down, down in Florida when that happened. So I didn't know. It just sort of clicked with me when you started talking about Toronto charismatics, and I remember him pretty crazy. Yeah, so the the um, apostolic renewal movement that that was a part of, and still is a part of today, uh, wasn't associated with the group I came from. The group okay. I came from, while they did believe in the charismatic gifts, were more, as far as charismatics and Pentecostals go, were more grounded. Um, okay. okay. There was, if weird things did happen, most pastors had enough discernment to call it out and to stop it hmm. and to um, speak against it. Um, they still expected the miraculous and still to classic and reformed congregants of reformed churches, it would still be like pandemonium and chaos. To us within the charismatic sphere, we were very grounded scripturally in comparison. Really? Um, we always tested things of the spirit against the word. And if we felt that it wasn't in there, we would try our best to shy away from it. Um, trying best not to discourage those movings, but at the same time, further ground them. Um, I have to be honest I, yeah, the, with my experience and, and, and it's all related to just the area that we live in that what you just described is not what I would describe for the charismatics in this right. area. So really, I mean, when you say you were just sort of, it's all lumped together in the mindset, sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm a Southern Baptist and that usually gets tied into the independent fundamental Baptist. Right. They think we're all the same, but we're not. Right. Are you? Yeah, uh, exactly. No. Charismatics are very lumped together. Pentecostals are very lumped together, but we're very defined between large denominations. So a lot of people would throw Pentecostals and Charismatics in with vineyard group and vineyard group are just loose cannons. I mean, they crawl around and bark like animals and dogs. And to us, that would be, that would be, yeah, that would be a Satan to us. So we would have no association with that. That would be chaos. Okay. Um, at the same time, I've seen, I've seen hysteria and stuff like that and laughter and things that should have been stopped that didn't sit right with me but uh wasn't my place to step in but uh now i'll tell you this yeah so it's, you, it's quite the mix are you familiar at all with with todd bentley daniel mentioned him just a minute ago 
Yeah, so I, I did know, you know, growing up in Ontario, I grew up about half my life up in Kitchener-Waterloo, which is about 40 minutes from Toronto. Right. So his name was well known, uh, but we had no association with that. Um, the group that he's with, the New Apostolic Reformation Movement now, um, there's no association between the two, and many of their members have been um, kind of counted out and said, you know, don't don't associate with don't associate with Bethel, don't associate right. with Hillsong. They don't preach the gospel. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you something interesting. Uh, probably, um, I don't know, maybe twelve years ago, something like. I'm losing track of time. The older I get, it was way before the Lakeland, Florida revival. It was before that. Um, Todd actually came to Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, which is just, I don't know, 40 minutes from me. And my mom, love her heart, um, God gave me to her to keep her on the tracks. If there's somebody that can get derailed in a hurry, it is her. And she's got the most, the most (laughs) genuine heart. It, It comes out of a place of just really wanting to see God move, you know? And so she can be mm-hmm. sucked in very quickly to things like this. And so I didn't know anything about Todd Bentley, but he came to Knoxville and, and my mom had a friend that was, oh, you're not going to believe she's pretty heavy within the Pentecostal um, churches. And she, she was telling mom about this and he was going around and there was, there were healings and all this stuff. And, and mom's like, I really would like for you to go with this lady. And he's going to be at the airport Hilton over here in Knoxville and see him. I was like, and this was before I had, uh, changed my theology to reformed and all this. I, I was just a good Southern Baptist at the time. And, um, so I agreed to go and we, we get into this place over there and they, they line everybody up like cattle. And there, there's probably 500 people in there and they had us in about three rows of, of folks. And what the, the guy never preached, he never did anything. They literally lined us up. They bring him out of a side door and he's going to go down the, the aisle, um, um, putting hands on everybody and praying for him as, as he goes. And Mm -hmm. as soon as he came out the door, you know, and I, I remember the feeling I had, was like real uncomfortable and she was this lady was already in line and I I can't remember why my mom didn't go but it was just me and this lady and and she's in line and she's giving me the come over here and and get in line and I was like nah I think I'm gonna stand at the back here and and I'm gonna watch and I'm and even to this day I, I cringe when I hear anybody say well God told me you know I'm like no he didn't but if there was Ever, exactly. if, there, if there was ever a time that it was that I would say God said don't you get in that line it was that day and and I'm not saying it was by any means was it it was not audible it was not it was just a feeling like you have no business here don't get anywhere near it and that was my only experience with him and then from there on shortly after that the Lakeland revival started and we, the rest is history. I mean, we've seen people well, kicked in the face and everything else. Yeah. Um, uh, just a quick add-on to that. My father was in a line like that for the supposed man of God, you know, really a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. And uh, the man behind him had uh, was really addicted to smoking. It was really bad to the point that, like, you know, 
one of those addictions that controls your lives. You spend all your money on cigarettes and right. it's just really bad. <clears throat> he was behind my father. So naturally the smoke smell from the clothes would be, you know, kind of like a three, uh, three foot radius around this guy. And so my father gets up to the minister and the, you know, you're supposed to say you're, what was happening is you were supposed to mention your need and then him and the other ministers in the, the church building were going to lay hands on you, that God would bless, that you would receive, that, that God would work a miracle, so on and so forth. Well, he comes up to my dad and puts his hand on my dad. And before he asks my dad, he goes, oh, son, God's not going to do anything for you until you quit that nasty addiction to smoking cigarettes. <laughs> my dad never touched a cigarette in his entire life. <laughs> That's great. You know, you and, take and, a problem and my dad, that, right? My dad said he stood there with his eyes open, staring forward at the sanctuary. And as this man is rambling on praying for him, he goes, it's absolutely nothing. Now counting down the seconds to let go of me and I could just walk out of there without making a scene and leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to tell you the, uh, my wife and I, you know, we, at the, we were actually, Daniel, I don't even know if you know this, but we were married in a church of God, mm. uh, which was, <clears throat> it's kind of crazy compared to where, where we're, we're at now, right. you know, but, um, the, at the time that's where we were. And, uh, this I won't get into my testimony on how I ended up where I am now, but um, so you know I if there's a group of people that really gets my blood pressure up, it, it would be this group of not now that I you've explained where where you're from, it, I, it wouldn't be that group. It'd be the Kenneth Hagens and the Copelands and the Jesse Duplantis mm. of the world that have done more damage to the psyche and the emotional side of people with the name it and claim it, um, or you didn't have enough faith. That's why it didn't come true. And you know, I mean, I can get sideways over this and I would think yeah. in a way, Andrew, you probably, I, I, now I don't want to put words in your mouth, but coming out of your, that when you've explained your background and, and you're not in that group with those, but you're being lumped in that group with those, I would say that you probably, it got your hackles up a little bit too. Uh, wouldn't you, would you agree? Yeah, it definitely got a lot of our ministers up. I mean, they, they preach something similar, but not from the same vantage point. It, it's not prosperity gospel to them. They believe there's certain signs and miracles and blessings that naturally come from following God that are yours to claim. Right. Um, and they believe some of the same rhetoric, but they openly will reject uh, Hagen's and Copeland's and uh, Osteen's and all of those guys, they openly reject them from the pulpit multiple times in my entire life. I heard it. Really? The sad thing is now looking back, I have so many friends and all of my family that are professing Christians belong to the movement. And so looking back now and seeing the words getting preached at their church conferences, their pastoral conferences, their youth conferences, looking and seeing that they're slowly sliding to that, mm -hmm. but yet still from a more, we're more scripturally sound and doctrinally sure. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to fall into the same traps kind of mentality. It really has me scared because I mean, if I, if I could show you just this recent, uh, they call it youth Congress happens every two years. And uh, I watched some of the sermons and I got through maybe 20 minutes of a couple different sermons. And I literally felt, to my stomach really 
because there was 20,000 young people in this stadium and they were eating it up like gold. We need to drop a little and Paul Washer. It, it, it was, it was garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, how did you, before I ask that question, uh, <clears throat> is your mom, grandparents, all of them still involved in it or have, are they coming to church with you now or where do they stand on all this? For sure. So, uh, through the, the, the situation that happened, uh, my wife and I immediately left. Um, and then about a month, month and a half later, my parents, uh, they had enough. And they saw what happened with us, and they decided to to make the, the change to leave as well. Uh, we debated for a while going to a different church in the dom- denomination near us. Um, the nearest ones are half an hour to 45 minutes away. It wasn't really feasible. Um, but it was definitely doable. That was our only choice. Um, but my grandparents are still in it. Uh, aunts, uncles, their children, spouses, right. um, they're all in it. We, we left every single friendship we had. Right. That's usually what happens. Fine. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. So how did you end up? Church is a community, right? Right. <laughs> right. How did you end up reformed? If, if come, leaving there, how did you get to the reformed side? Honestly, we, uh, my parents, my wife and I, we just, we took to scripture and prayer. It's, it's all we knew how to do. And I have to say that's probably the best thing that we were ever taught was that if you crawl out to God, if you cry out to him with an earnest heart, he does hear you and he does respond. And it may not be exactly how you desire or how you think it should be dealt with, but God will respond to the cries of his people. Agreed. And so um, countless nights, you know, I would hear my mother um, crying, wailing. She'd actually cleared out a spot in the closet of her room that she used just for prayer. Really? And every night, and there was a couple times I had to go in her closet to help her with something, <clears throat> and there were sticky notes, and she had prayer requests. And when God would answer prayer, she would cross it out and add another prayer on. Really? And uh, God was using it to draw her and my father closer to himself. Um, God was instilling in me the, the passion to dig into his word. And when I, when I started to dig into his word, I, I prayed to say, God, don't let me look at your word through my own dictionary, my own thesaurus, my own lenses, my own interpretation. Let me see your word for itself. Mm-hmm. And, and now being reformed, we know sola scriptura, right. God's word alone. Right. It speaks for itself. It defends itself. It proves itself. It doesn't need us to come to its defense. Correct. It does itself. It's the living word of God in our hands. Right. And so, yeah, I was shook to the core of my belief. And I really started seeing what God's word was for what it is. And uh, I slowly made the transition from... Um, Pentecostalism to kind of Pentecostalism light to um, <clears throat> to like Baptists or I know that the marrying the phrase Bapticostal right. um, <laughs> where you have you have kind of charismatic Pentecostal like praise and worship and song um, but you have kind of more of a centered Baptist theology right and I stuck in that area for quite a while. Um, I'm ashamed to admit it now, but uh, men like Stephen Furtick oh, yeah. and things like that really began to speak to me because 
it felt um, it felt natural, like a natural move um, <clears throat> to where the worship and everything was about it kind of I was used to, but <clears throat> the preaching was a little bit different. <clears throat> um, actually, I know this, this is going to sound like it was spreaded and it probably most likely is, but Stephen Furtick would often use more scripture than I heard. Right. And, and looking back and seeing that now, it's absolutely bonkers. Right. But but hearing certain things from his upbringing that were true, that spoke through some of his own shenanigans and things he needs to figure out, um, yeah, they, they spoke to me, and they only encouraged me to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And next thing you know, I'm watching Matt Chandler come to Elevation Church's Code Orange and mm-hmm. scream at the crowd, you're not David. <laughs> and uh, start waking me up. Right. <laughs> um, I, st- I still that. post those memes to this day. And when people talk about, oh, you just slay your Goliath, you just slay your Goliath, I just respond with the me of Matt Chandler screaming, you're not David. They actually made a gif out of it. So <laughs> I just slap that on there and walk away. <laughs> well, that was a great moment with him. It's like a dream. I think, you know, you give the dream, you could go to Osteen's church and preach the gospel. Right. Matt Chandler got to sit on a stage with T.D. Jakes and <laughs> Stephen Furtick and tell them that. That was great. You remember <laughs> yeah. watching that live? Yeah, it's um, yeah, that's a that's a that was a good good deal. But um, so you you've moved on into the reformed side, and um, you just I guess you decided to you, to do a church plant. Am I correct? Yeah. So so through this whole process, um, my parents. My wife and I were meeting in uh, just our living room, having prayer and devotion on the Lord's Day together. Just the four of you. And just the four of us. I would get out my guitar, and we would sing a few worship choruses, and uh, I usually had some sort of devotional plan. Mm-hmm. Because I, was, I had ministerial training, I mean, I was, I was trained in a Pentecostal Bible college. Um, I had my license in my Pentecostal denomination. So I had ministerial training under my belt, right. several years of public speaking and preaching. So I, I, I knew how to prepare stuff like this. And so, um, honestly, the first while we did nothing on the Lord's day, right? Nothing. Um, <clears throat> my wife and I were and family were so grieved that, uh, we would just pray. And, um, I honestly didn't feel like, uh, doing anything ministerial wise mm-hmm. um really our hearts had to heal and our minds had to heal before i felt like i was anywhere near qualified or equipped to bring even to just my family how, how uh, the long ministering ago was this, of the gospel Andrew? uh okay so the the splitting from took roots probably three years ago okay um the definite leave was, uh, yeah, it was. I think I think this will be the third year coming up this January. It'll be three years okay. completely leaving. Um, two years since we started meeting regularly in our own house and inviting people to come and join with us that didn't have a local congregation to attend. Um, and then it's been a year. So this May was a year since we got um, started renting a building downtown Brooklyn meeting there. Very similar to um, the the life that my sister is in right now. There, her husband is a uh, 
a Presbyterian pastor, a PCA, not PCUSA, and they went to <laughs> San Diego, I believe it's been about 10 years, and to plant a church. And they've walked a lot of the, your story is very familiar, uh, as you're saying what you've done. They met in their house for a long time. That It was just a few years ago. They finally rented a building, and I'm probably getting my time off, but it just seemed like they were in their house for a long time. Um, and so they've been renting a building, and they're in the San Diego area. And um, so a lot of what you're saying is familiar to me because I've watched them go through it. Yeah, and um, so, so, so through this whole process, God was transforming me. And I look back now at my, my devotional and sermon notes from the beginning and how far God has brought me and changed me since then. Right. Uh, from the songs we sing and worship, the message in scripture to the interpretation of scripture going from topical to exegetical processes right um just seeing how god it was changing my heart and looking back and uh, the joy that fills my soul that god didn't abandon me but but chose to use this to to make me more like him and awesome? to make me into what he wow. desired me to be and so i reached out to a friend over Facebook that I had made when I went to Bible college mm -hmm. and his father is a current missionary in this Pentecostal organization, but him and his wife were debating leaving the church of that same denomination out where they were out West. Mm. And he goes, he said, you know what, man, he goes, tell me what you believe. I don't care if it's messy. I don't care if you have all the, the words, right. I don't care if you have all the literature, right. Just tell me what you see the word of God speaking to your heart. And I told him, and he said, man, I got some people you need to listen to. I said, oh, I don't really feel like listening to ministers. I listened to ministers at the beginning. I left, and they only served to confuse me. Right. I'm trying to figure this thing out. Just just me, the Word, and prayer. And, and maybe when I'm ready, I'll listen to somebody else's preaching on the topic. He goes, okay, when you're ready, just listen. And uh, about a week, it laid heavy on my soul. I might as well check this out. And it was R.C. Sproul. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't go wrong there. So I listened to R.C. Sproul, and then I, I realized, wait, he's connected to, there's, there's Matt Chandler in here? Well, I have his book, The Explicit Gospel. So then I read The Explicit Gospel, and it said his teaching on the triune God and the total depravity of man floored me in that book. Right. And then I realized, oh, Francis Chan is connected to these guys. And then I realized, oh, uh, David Platt, I just bought his book a couple months ago. He's connected to these guys. <laughs> and so I started rereading these books and really seeing, not, not picking the meat off the bones as, as I was taught to do in my previous denomination, but I took every word they had mm -hmm. and I took it back to Scripture and I said, there's something here. What are these guys a part of? So I reached out to my friend and he goes, well, they're what we call Reformed. <laughs> they're the Reformed persuasion. There's many denominations, of course, within it, but the Reformed, you got Presbyterian, and I went, Presbyterian? Right. I thought they were just a bunch of old people dying <laughs> in their pews, waiting to close up shop. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and I mean, we can get to this later, but that's kind of the situation in, in Canada, at least. But, um, you know, it was like, oh, this being Baptist. Oh, I was told to stay away from the Baptists. But they, you know, they think we're the sons of Satan. And, right. And, uh, <laughs> and all this stuff, right? And so, yeah, God was, and then basically God united us together over two different time zones. No unites us together and brings us into similar walk. And then even now, as God is progressing me and my family now, they're moving the same route 
that we're going. And so, and so God knew that I needed a brother that has walked the same walk that I have, that has fought the same battles and uh, has paired us together. And, and I know I'm not David, but it feels like a David Jonathan thing. And not that one of us is king or another is a son of a king, right? but it's that important bond between brothers that face the same battles together and lifting one another up as Christ's church should. Isn't that great? And, uh, you know, it's, um, I can remember, and again, this isn't about me, but when I was going through, you know, similar kind of things, and it, it reminded, reminded me of it when you talk about, you know, there was R.C. Sproul and there was Francis Chan, and I reached a point as I was, you know, it, it was about a year-long process for me, uh, and um, I reached a point where, and I remember talking to my sister, I still had... Um, some uh, some questions but it was but they were the questions that you kind of knew the answer to you know you already knew in your heart and I remember talking to my sister about it and and I'll never forget this advice or this what she said to me uh whatever these things were I don't remember now but she said Jeremy there comes a time where you just have to bend the knee and it I mean it still chokes me up to this day because that's where I was. It was like, Jeremy, you're not going to get every answer to every question you've got, but you've got enough truth here saying this is true. And you bend the knee to Christ as Lord. And then, and then, then I reached the point where I started or before that was like, who are the men that I respect? Well, it was Sproul and it was Vody Bauckham and it was John MacArthur. And I was like, where do they fall on this? Well, when I realized that, they're all over here and I'm on this side. It was kind of like, yeah, who's probably wrong. It's probably me. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, uh, I I know what you, everybody's, it's kind of interesting as you talk to people that have come to the reformed faith, so to speak, a lot of the stories are the same, you know, the, 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 it's just very familiar. If you, you know what I mean by that? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's a great thing. Now, are both your parents still with you at church and are they reformed now also, or? Yeah. So my father picked it up much quicker, but he was always much more studious and willing to let go of some things because he was never 100% sold out and on the inside. Right. Um, my mother, on the other hand, being raised in it, um, it wasn't just combating, Religion. It was combating generations, family. It was combating friendships, and it was also combating tradition and her identity. Mm. And so, when you belong to a group like that, it becomes your sole identity. It's your identification. It's your marker. Um, just like independent fundamental Baptists, um, their legalistic ways are very similar to uh, what I grew up with. Um, I mean, now Steven Anderson would probably stand up screaming on the pulpit and, oh, Lord. and, and, talk, and talk about emptying your bladder on the wall about us, too. But, uh, <laughs> he yeah. makes my blood boil. A uh, but, you know, it was the same thing. Is that, you know, you drink, you smoke, you dance, you, you, you play cards. It's hell for you. Right. doesn't matter if you profess Lord. Christian liberty doesn't mean that. That's abusing grace. Right. Get back under control. Submit yourself. Touch not the Lord's anointed. Mm-hmm. Um, Boy, I've heard that. No, and, mm-hmm. and coming back, coming into reform, where these men have every right to hold themselves in such high posterity, 
because of their knowledge and because of their walk with God, yet they hold themselves in such humble standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely floored me. When I realized that men I submitted myself to where I came from knew so little and yet thought of themselves so haughty and so prideful. There's a lot of that within that, within that denomination, man. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of it there, but, um, so I'm going to tell you, I've got a list of stuff here to talk to you. There ain't no way we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and ask you now, (laughs) Uh, would you, would you come back at another date to, to continue this conversation? Most definitely. Okay. Okay. Well then I won't stress over not getting to my whole list right. here, but, uh, <laughs> the, um, uh, I have I, one question. Go ahead. We can sort of hit really quick. You being a pastor in Canada, what is it like with the religious liberty from the government? Like I know you hear here that like there's restrictions on if you can preach on homosexuality or if you can address that or how you address that is that as hardcore as it sounds like it is or no yes so it's i I don't know if you've heard of the 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 phraseology but the tipping point Mm -hmm. um a man i think it was uh max caldwell or or something along the lines he wrote a book called the tipping point and it's it's the terminology where a match strikes the rough terrain and it can either fizzle out and fail to light or it can burn into a flame. And that's Canada right now. Canada is a tipping point. Mm. Um, we can either strike a match and burn brighter than we ever have, or we can fizzle out into the annals of history and become one of the most divided countries in the Western world. Are you, um, what are, do you have? Do you have two parties there, like we do here? Basically, we got Republicans and Democrats. We've got some Libertarian, and there's a few out there. But you know, for the most part, it's two parties. Is it the same in Canada? Uh, for the most part, it's the same, except our colors are reversed. So our Liberals, which would be your Democrats, wear red, uh-huh. and our more conservatives are, uh, which we call the Conservative Party of Canada. They wear the blue. Uh, that sometimes can mess up. Uh, American friends. Um, <clears throat> but you're really essentially, yes, you have your liberals uh, and you have your conservative party. Is um, uh, Trudeau is the guy that he just got reelected, correct? Yeah. And yeah. He's, is, he the, is he liberal or conservative? He is most definitely liberal. Okay. That's what I thought, but I didn't want to stick my foot in my mouth. So, And, and if you want to go further, socialist liberal. Oh, boy. Okay. So he's, uh, I'm going to say it because this is our podcast, he is the uh, new and improved version of Obama. And Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders. Well, they think he is. Um, The only thing he doesn't have going for him is he's not a woman and he's not a minority. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Is this, how many, do you all hold elections every four years like we do? Uh, For the most part, yes. The difference is, um, it hasn't really been done, but uh, we don't have a two-term cap limit upon uh, the head of our uh, the head of our country. You do or you don't. We don't. So he could stay in there as long as he can get voted in. As, as long as the votes side with him and the party agrees to keep him as the head of their party, yeah, it's it's almost an indefinite. Now, of course, it doesn't happen. We know that. 
eight years to 12 years is a, is a large amount of time and political landscapes shift almost every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and to go to Daniel's question, yeah, it's become very, very, very tough uh, as a Christian in our country. And while there's not outward um, discrimination against Christianity, and while there's not outward um, backlash and direct assault against it, uh, it's in secret. It's behind closed doors. It's brought out through government uh, fundings or lack of fundings. It's brought out through government strictures, new laws imposed. Right now, um, <clears throat> just last week, there was a bylaw trying to be passed in Toronto where uh, if you are a Christian group of believers, you could not rent a facility that the city of Toronto owned or had their hand in. Um, for any type of meeting purpose. And I knew some ministers that went down there to publicly appear um, in, in those presidings to fight against it. And this, this was proposed by a woman voted into a certain section as a, as a member representative of the city of Toronto. And she was all about inclusion of all faiths and all minorities and majorities and, uh, this multiculturalism bid and that seems to be the most popular thing right now. And uh, <clears throat> all this inclusivity. And then when you get in power, you realize, no, it's exclusivity. Mm-hmm. That, that it's everybody but right. one group of people. Right. Everybody but Christians get the benefit. Even last year, our, we have student work programs. Our government gives out grants small businesses, to places of faith, to places of um, volunteer work, to hire students for the summer. So number one, the students can have a full-time job and save up money to go to post-secondary education again the next year, but also so that places can get an extra pair of working hands in the summer for heavier workloads. Um, There was a change last year to the summer job grant program that basically you had to sign and attest to this piece of paper and this legislation that said uh, not hire somebody based upon sexual affinity, based upon race, based upon um, based upon their religious standing. And so that's great for the public sector. That's horrible for the spiritual sector. Right. That's horrible for church. And it, it further proves that there needs to be a clear, clear delineation between, between church and state because of the fact that um, as a as a Christian church, I'm not going to hire an open Muslim to come and render services. And it's not because I hate that Muslim person. It's not because I value that being. It's not because I'm bigoted towards their faith or their existence. It's because it makes no sense for you to serve any capacity that you're incapable of serving faithfully. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It it didn't do anything to the public sector. They didn't do anything to the civil sector. They already have bylaws in place to protect against discriminatory hiring. It, it was disguised as a bill encompassing all, but really all it did was damages uh, organizations with a faith-based service. Mm. That's, um, I'm afraid that's the direction the United States is heading. Well, see, that's the thing here is the misunderstanding of the separation of church and state. Because people try to say it's to keep the church out of the state. No, it's to keep the state out of the church. Right. And we, I mean, we've had those issues. Houston, mm-hmm. 
not too long ago, a couple of years ago, the city council got together and they wanted the pastors to send their sermon manuscripts in. Right. And they were going to like go through them to right. make sure what they were preaching on. I was, that's none of your business. Right. And then Duke University, just, just a few months ago, they banned any Christian group of using any building on Duke University's campus if you do not affirm homosexuality. Mm. So, I mean, it's slowly, but... There's a... I, I saw it on the news this morning, and I've, I've still tried to... I mean, the news is reporting on it, so I guess... I mean, the local news is reporting on it, so it, it must be a legit thing, but there's a school in Knoxville... Uh, elementary school that there's a there's a church that wanted a um, I want to call it an outreach program but that's the wrong word basically there is a law in the city that they can offer a, a church can offer a um, opportunity for the children to to attend something at this church during the school day uh, as long as the parents give written consent that it's okay so I'm not sure if this was once a week or once a month. It definitely wasn't every day. But this, there was going to be an opportunity for kids that have the okay from their parents to leave church and go to this. I'm sorry, leave school and go to it, this church for an hour or whatever it was. Well, there's another society within Knoxville called the First Church of Satan of Knoxville or oh, yeah. something like that. And they've been all over the Facebook and the news basically thanking this church uh, thanking the school board in Knoxville for uh, for letting the or okaying this to happen because in their words, once you did that, then now you have to make it avail you have to make it all available. That's freedom of religion, right? Which allows this group to bring in their agenda, and the church now or the school now has to make that available. Well, see, that's why I don't fight. You know, the big deal around here, as being in East Tennessee was the prayer before football games right. for the last few years. You know, the Lord's Prayer before football games all the time. So schools stopped doing that, and churches, not churches, Christian groups got together. They're fighting it. They're wanting, no, we have to say the prayer. Well, once you open that door for the Christian prayer, the Lord's Prayer, they have to open the door mm-hmm. under freedom of religion for a Muslim prayer. Jehovah's Witness kept up there. I mean, so, you know, uh, and honestly, I don't know that uh, my uh, my child is no longer in. Um, well, she's a she's a senior in college, and my biggest fear, Andrew, you get to look forward to this, was that she would leave here and be inundated with the liberal side of the university. And bless her heart, if she's done anything, she's gone more to the conservative side she's worse than me so (laughs) i am so thankful that she didn't get up there and get um just tarnished by this and i'm grateful to god that he protected her and he if you for lack of better words plugged her ears up or or whatever to as because i mean she was exposed to it it wasn't like she walked around in a you know, an eggshell for four years. She he just gave her the insight and the wisdom and the understanding to realize it was just a bunch of bull. And I am so grateful for that. But um, we have. Uh, I have to go ahead. I have to say that, uh, and and further reference back to Daniel's initial question again. Um, as far as I believe, Daniel, you asked about. Um, um, statements of homosexuality and alternative sexual lifestyles and things like that within the church. Um, as far as right now, the, the liberals and, and socialists 
don't want Canadians to know, but we're still protected by our constitutional act right. in Canada. Hmm. Um, the first line of Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms says this, whereas Canada is founded upon the principles that recognize the supremacy of God and the rule of law. Mm. That's still in effect. That has not been nullified. Wow. And then later on in the charter, it says that, um, sorry, later on in the, in the addition to, to the rights and freedoms, when it talks about not discriminating based upon sexuality and based upon sex, gender, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it says that those that, that reside in places of clergy, that to commit these acts would be against the matter of conscience, civil liberty, system, and faith do not have to perform those duties. Wow. And so whether they try to make it seem like they do, by technical law, we are covered. Now, here's the difference between Canada and America. America is trying to erode your constitution mm -hmm. so that they can do whatever they wish or write it in their own image. Mm -hmm. Canada tries to pretend that things don't exist in our law. Oh. And so our constitution is very basic. And so they leave it to what they call a verbal understanding of the law. So that means judges can interpret the constitution drastically different. Wow. Do you all have something equivalent to the Supreme court? Uh, yeah, we have our own, our own, uh, our own court systems and circuits, yes, as well. Okay. Well, Andrew, I'm telling you, dude, we have just barely touched the, the, the topics that we could, we could go. And I, I, I want you back sooner rather than later. I've got other things I want to talk yeah, to you about and everything, hour. but we're running, we're, we're pushing an hour right now. And I've got some other things that I want to, uh, do before we close this one down so you'd come back and for another episode with us wouldn't you oh i definitely will good 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 all right so uh we're going to uh we're going to uh go into a segment that you and i have already uh talked a little bit about um talked a little bit about that um i know you do not have a lot of experience with but um, the um, one of the things, Daniel, I, I wanted to mention, and, and just bear with me here for a minute. Um, back at the beginning of the, of the football season this year, um, Tennessee was absolutely awful, and they we lost to two teams that we should never have lost to in a million years. And I remember making the comment to somebody. Because it was getting it's it's getting hard to be a Tennessee fan. I mean, everybody was just letting us have it. We've had a decade worth of crap, and I, I remember making the comment: "I really need somebody to do something stupid to get the spotlight off of us for a minute." Florida State has pulled a "Hey, hold my beer" with the firing of Willie Taggart, and thank you. Florida State University for getting the spotlight off of us. Finally, is that not the dumbest thing? Right. Yeah. Three games left. Four. Uh, do you know how much the money they're going to have to pay that guy? They raised. I don't know if you've heard this. Last two weeks, they went to all their boosters. They raised twenty million dollars in two weeks to buy him out. Well, that's what they got to pay to buy him out. Yeah, they paid twenty million. The mm -hmm. man has coached fifteen games. 
16 year, games. A year and this. 16 games. And is going to walk away with, now, Andrew, listen to this, $27 million. And, oh. yeah, he failed at his job. He got paid $27 million. He got paid $27 million. I mean, this is this supersedes any dumpster fire that ever took place in Knoxville. Oh, yeah. You all have gone to the front of the line, Florida State. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart because they're no longer talking about us. I'll take the job. Yeah. (laughs) Crap, I'll take it for a million. Yeah. You know, I can have that good. Here's the other thing. The man has a below 500 career winning percentage. And when they hired him. When they hired him. What do you think you're going to get, dude? It's not like you just hired Saban. The guy told you I'm below 500, and he pretty much is – but he's, that's exactly what he did. Lived up to it. Yeah. So, Andrew, we're going to go into the pick'em segment of this game. And what I was asking you before we went on the air was which conference that did the guy tell you to look at. I guarantee you he probably didn't tell you to look at the Southeastern Conference. He probably had you look <laughs> at 10. in the NFL would be my guess. Yeah. Correct? Yep. I got you. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got you. So, we're going to be picking college football. Now, to those that are listening, Andrew is Canadian. Um, he loves hockey and maple syrup and ice fishing. <laughs> so he, he doesn't know a lot about American football. So what we're going to do, Andrew, on this one is I'm not going to expect for you to know these teams or anything about them. So we're picking winners and losers this time. We're not going against the spread like we did last week. It's just who's going to win, who's going to lose. And you're going to pick the winner and the loser for your section based off of the mascot. So we're going to describe to you what the mascots are for the two teams, and then you tell us, based off of that description, who's going to win the football game. Are you down with it? I'm down with it. All right, here we go. First game that we're going to pick, and Daniel and I are going to pick with with you, but we're going to be picking um, a little more uh, with a little more uh, education, I guess, in this field. So, experience maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to throw this out there right now. For last week, at this point in the pick'em thing, Daniel's losing. For everybody who's listen listening, I am. Uh, it is. I've got five right and three wrong, and he's four and four. We both picked the Giants to win tonight, so he cannot win last week. Let's come back this week. You're going to have to make a comeback this week. All right, Andrew, the first game that you're going to pick is the Vanderbilt and Florida game. Vanderbilt is a school full of nerds, okay? Their um, their mascot is a Commodore. Do you know what a Commodore is? Yep. Okay, so their mascot is a Commodore. Everybody that goes to Vanderbilt probably scored like a – 50 on the ACT, if that's even something to do. Um, And their mascot is a Commodore, so he's a drunk boat captain. And the Florida Florida are the Gators. So you've got a drunk captain of a boat and an alligator. Who you got? Well, uh, I recognize the Florida Gators, so I'm going to stick with them. 
Florida Gators. Okay. So Andrew is uh, Andrew's got the he's got the Gators. Daniel, who you got? Florida. Yeah. I told you, dude, last week. I told you. If Florida's playing ISIS, I'm cheering for ISIS. I, I can't stand I can't stand uh, Florida, Andrew. So I know this. I know I'm going in the hole, but I am picking Vandy. I hate them less than I do Florida. All right. So Daniel's going to give you the next okay, one. Next game is Western Kentucky versus Arkansas. So Western Kentucky's mascot is the Hilltopper. I'm assuming. Because I have no idea. We're not real sure what a hilltopper is. It's like a miner taking off the top of a hill yeah. to the coal because yeah. it's Kentucky. Does he yodel? Yeah, he, he may yodel when he's been in the shine a little uh, bit. Yeah, it's Kentucky. He might not yodel. He might yell loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, Arkansas is a Razorbacks pig. You know what a Razorback is, right? I do. Big, okay. mean, hairy, nasty pig. So there you go. You got uh, Western Kentucky. And a drunk miner. You got a drunk miner fighting a big nasty pig. I'm going to go with a drunk miner because uh, higher pain tolerance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good... So Andrew is taking the drunk miner, Western Kentucky. I'm taking Western Kentucky because Arkansas stinks. <laughs> and I'm taking Western Kentucky because Arkansas is awful, dude. I mean, they are awful. <laughs> All right, so the next one up is going to be the New Mexico State Aggies against the Ole Miss Rebels. So the uh, an Aggie is like a uh, cowboy kind of thing. All right, so he's probably got a gun of some kind, a revolver or something. He's probably got a rope. So he's from New Mexico. He's a bandito. Yeah, he's he, right. He's he's probably a bandito. So he's got a gun and a rope, pr- more than likely a bottle of tequila. Uh, Ole Miss are the Ole Miss Rebels. So, you know, they they are, uh, you know, the Southern Confederate gentlemen, I'm sure, in, Calif- <laughs> or in California. In Canada, you've seen all the thing about the uh, Rebel flag, and everybody's upset about this. So you got a... Uh, Here, them statues of Robert E. Lee, yep. yep. Yep, yep. So you got New Mexico State Aggie, who is another uh, bandito hot, hopped up on, uh, all hopped up on tequila, fighting... An old Southern gentleman. Who you got? I have to refer to uh, the spirit of the Alamo <laughs> and uh, say that the, uh, the the Johnny Rebs have this. Johnny Rebs. Okay, so he's taking Ole Miss. Daniel, who you got? Ole Miss. They can't lose everything. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna, all right, so we're going to stay Ole Miss across the board because I'm going to take them too. Daniel, who's now, now, if the Alamo proves anything, uh, we're wrong. They're going to lose, but <laughs> I'm going with the spirit, the spirit, the, the spirit of, of, of the heroes. Yeah. Gotcha. This might be the easiest one that we have. We have the Missouri Tigers versus the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. So you got a tiger and a bulldog and a fat, short legged, ugly, ugly, <laughs> cross eyed bulldog. Can you, uh, can you tell me their the can you tell me their representative states again? Missouri is the Tigers, Georgia is the Bulldogs, okay. and let's just go ahead and say the Tigers are a little. The Tiger would be a little wounded. <laughs> help you out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Do I pick a, a little slightly wounded but 
coming back heavily aggressive tiger or do right. i pick the cross-eyed bulldog cross-eyed uh, i'm gonna go with the tiger all right okay. all right so we got a mizzou uh this game is in this game's in athens georgia so daniel's taking georgia i'm gonna take georgia okay the next one is a is a other than uh the university of tennessee is a is a uh University that's fairly close to where Daniel and I are at. Um, you got Appalachian State University, which is over in Boone, North Carolina, uh, Andrew, probably an hour and a half from here. They are the Appalachian State Mountaineers. They are going to Bryce Williams Stadium in uh, Columbia to have a uh, to play the South Carolina Gamecocks. So you've got a Mountaineer who's spent all his life, he's got one leg longer than the other one because that's how he can walk around that mountain <laughs> and, and not fall. He's probably mined for gold, chews tobacco. He's coming out of the hills. He's going to Columbia, and he's going to fight a big freaking chicken. So uh, I will throw this into I will throw this in there just to kind of use just some food for thought. About when did Appalachian State go to Michigan? Ten years ago? 2007. So 2007, Appalachian State went to the big house in Michigan and beat Michigan. This year, Appalachian State has beat North Carolina, a ranked, a ranked North Carolina team that came within an eyelash of beating Clemson, who was at the time who, number one. At the time was number one in the nation. So you got a lopsided Mountaineer and a big stupid chicken. Who you got? Well, I I never mess with the inbreeding of the Appalachian Mountains, so uh, I'll give it to them. Happy State, who you got, Daniel? I'm going to Appalachian State because I can't stand Will Muschamp. <laughs> I'm going Appalachian State because I actually think they got a chance. I think they do, and and that they could, and that there would be nothing that would make me any happier than to see Will Muschamp lose again. Oh yeah, and lose his job, and lose his do, job. Uh, do do you gentlemen hear that? Do, What's that? <laughs> that's right. Some dueling banjos. That's that's what I'm with. All right. <laughs> so here, so Daniel, you got the next. Okay, one. the next one. Just to give you the preface on this, this is the number one team in the country versus the number two team in the country. So it shouldn't, you know, this is an up in the air pick, but I won't tell you which one's which. <laughs> the first one is the Louisiana State Tigers versus the Alabama. Crimson Tide, which their mascot is really an elephant. They can't figure stuff out now. Right. And um, don't know where Crimson Tide came from, other than maybe they were washing clothes one day right. and decided, oh, Road Tide. Right. So you got a tiger named Mike. The tiger's name is actually Mike. And that's their chant, too. Not go elephants. It's roll tide. Right. So you got the tiger against a big, fat elephant Wearing who eats red. Tide Pods. And it's semi-special. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so that, so Might there's be a three-legged elephant, <laughs> right. right? So their chant is "Roll Tide." They most of the people in the stadium are missing about a third of their teeth. I'll give you a little, just a real quick thing about them. They sing a song in the middle of their games called "Dixieland Delight." by the band Alabama, and they think it's because it's cool because it's about the band Alabama from the band Alabama, right? But the song's really about the state of Tennessee, their biggest rival. Right, which does, it shows you how smart this group yeah, so is. They sing a song about us <laughs> in their stadium. 
and they think it's funny. Right. <laughs> so you've got you got Mike the Tiger going against the elephant eating Tide Pods. Who you want? Well, if Archie Comics taught me anything, was that Moose didn't need a lot of brains to win a lot of games. So I'm going to have to go with the Confused Elephant. Oh, taking Bama. All right. Joe now, Burrow and the Tigers. Going with LSU, and that is who I'm going to pick. I actually think LSU is going to thump them. I do. So, and it would, it would just make me really happy to, to see that. All right, here's the last one for you. Biggest one of the day. The University of Tennessee volunteers travel to Lexington, Kentucky this Saturday night at 7.30 to face the University of Kentucky Wildcats. Andrew, first of all, do you know how the University of Tennessee got the got their name, Volunteers? You've already mentioned it in, in, a, in something talking about somebody earlier. And we're called the Volunteer State. And we're called the Volunteer State. Do you know why? I'm assuming it has to do something with military militia. It has to do with the Alamo. So when they had the Alamo, okay. uh, Davy Crockett, who was from the state of Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. went to fight at the Alamo. They had more volunteers leave the state of Tennessee and go to the Alamo and fight than they did any other state. That's how we got our name, the Tennessee Volunteers. So you got the volunteers who, again, hey, listen, I think you're seeing a theme here, is a mountain man. Got, got the coonskin hat, <laughs> looks like uh, Davy Crockett. You know, that's the idea. He's carrying around a musket. The dead eye shot. Dead eye shot, does not miss, and he's got a freaking hound dog with him, okay? Going against a mangy, feral, snaggletooth cat. Can I make it any more obvious who you need to pick? I can see uh, you have some personal biases in the mix, <laughs> but... Uh... Not really a neutral picking zone. No, 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 um, no, no well, no, I will. No, no. Uh, I'll, I'll defer to your better judgments, and I'll take the dead eye crack shot. That's uh, that's my man. So Andrew's going with UT. Daniel, Tennessee all day. <laughs> that's right. So again, we're gonna uh, across the board. We've got Tennessee across the board, and I, Andrew, I didn't just bait you into something there. I think Tennessee actually is going to oh, win yeah. Saturday. Um, so if you get a chance to tune in to watch some of your Southern brothers play football, do y'all get uh, ESPN in Canada? Well, I'm, I'm sure there's something somewhere on the World Wide Web. <laughs> That's right. You're not, you're not, you're not completely out of the loop, are you? No. Good deal. Hey, listen, man. Thank you so much for taking your time to be part of what we're doing here, um, getting this thing off the ground. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation, and uh, no kidding here, um, maybe uh, next few weeks or something, uh, right at the first year, we've got some other people we're going to get on. We will have you back to uh, talk about. I've still got things on my list that I want to talk to you about. So we'll have you back on, and um, we'll do something. uh, We'll get back together again. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds great. We still have to go through politics, Puritans, and the rest. That's exactly right. We got a lot on our plate. Andrew, thanks again for being <laughs> for being here. Everybody listening, we thank you for tuning in again. Please like and share the podcast uh, if, if at all possible. We would greatly appreciate it. Until next time, Daniel, have a good one. You too. And we'll uh, we'll see you again in a week. Yeah. You. 
You've been listening to Think Like a Man. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. And we'll see you next time.